you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast, a winning week on Wall Street. The Dow breaking an eight-week losing streak. The S&P and Nasdaq snapping a seven-week slide. Every sector higher. Banks, builders, energy, retail, and more. Can the good times last? Plus, is Bitcoin breaking down? The cryptocurrency sliding more than 25% over the past month. And the chartmaster says it could keep free-falling from here. And later, from Maverick to Mojitos, it has been a good week for entertainment and travel stocks. Can you still jump in, or are these names entering the danger zone? And I finally know what that refers to because I watched it. Uh, I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq Market Site in the heart of Times Square. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Bono and Eisen, and Brian Kelly will join us in just moments. We start off with that week-long rally in Wall Street. The S&P surging 6.6% since Monday, ending a seven-week losing streak, putting in its best five days since November 2020. It is now up a whopping 9% since last Friday's lows. The Dow and Nasdaq also posting strong gains. And take a look at some of the individual stocks posting huge jumps this week. Dollar Tree up nearly 30%. Diamondback Energy, Deere, Tesla, J.P. Morgan, just some of the names seeing double-digit gains. The strength coming across every sector as we started to see signs maybe that inflation has peaked. So as we head into this holiday weekend, can we expect this momentum to continue? Do you feel better about the markets, Tim? It's hard not to feel better, Mel, after a 9.14% move from the intraday lows last Friday Mm -hmm. or 340 S&P points. But what should investors and market participants feel better about? First of all, just that much more clarity out of the Fed. We got Fed minutes. We we know the Fed is probably looking to uh, potentially move faster than slower. But you have a dynamic here where I also think when you added in the inflation data of this morning, you noted the PCE, which is a very important and widely followed indicator for the Fed in terms of inflation. 4.9 percent is doing some easing. The dollar has also come back, uh, which is at least a sign, I think, of less run to safe haven dynamics. We got more data from retail companies and consumer companies in real time. So we got the the Q1 numbers, but we also heard a little bit about April and even some that gave you something into May Mm -hmm. that actually said things are very strong. And even the ones that are more exposed to the lower end consumer, so the dollar gens, uh, when we thought, okay, well, higher end luxury continues to actually be in a pretty good sweet spot. Um, What about the lower economy? And in fact, no, dollar gen actually gave numbers actually into May, which said, look, we're we're ahead of expectations. We're reaffirming for this year. And, and, And then the inventory dynamics around inflation and how they handled that, you know, a lot of other people were, frankly, quite better than Walmart and Target at handling that stuff. Yeah. I think that the scary part about it is that we can rally another 200, 300 handles in the Mm S&P and still be in a bear market. So I think we'll make a lower high, slip back down, suck everyone back in again. So I don't think we're out of the woods. Quantitative tightening starts next month. What's going to happen at that point if we start next month and now we start cycling over tightening recession fears again? We slip right back down in every shape, sector, size or anything for me. Right. I mean, we're celebrating what we've seen for the week, but we're still down 23 percent on the Nasdaq year to date, Bonwin. So there is damage still to be done. But are we are we actually feeling better? I mean, the things that some of the things that Tim had cited, FOMC minutes, I would I would posit that maybe that, you know, that's an old look. Right. That was for sure. And, and all the Fed officials have been out speaking since then. So do we know anything more? 
Retailers, though, they did give us some good news mm-hmm. to, to hang. Consumers not dead. To, to really try to believe. But Bonwin, do you feel better? Uh, I think I feel better. But again, that's that's a that's a relative term. I mean, there were some pretty dark days there for a lot of us. I think as we watched, what was it, six, seven, eight weeks of continual downward pressure. And so when I look at a market like this, it's the extremes that concern me. So we've had the best week since 2020 after having the worst streak in a decade, after having the greatest bull market in the past decade after having oil price at the highest level and inflation at the highest level in several decades. It's all of those conflicting messages that make it very hard for me to take one data point and try to extrapolate that out to a trend. And if there's one thing that I think the Fed has told us, even if it's going to be at the detriment of moving too slow, they will be methodical and data dependent. They were slow, methodical, data dependent, when it came to seeing inflation and taking moves to combat that, I expect that they will be very deliberate and data dependent when it comes to changing course. And so one PCE reading, which is marginally lower to me, is not enough for me to get excited about the Fed pivoting from what they're going to do for QT to, to, to stop or abate or for rates to not continue to be ratcheted up by 50 basis points. So, um, yeah, I think it's a pause. I think it's it's natural. We, I mean, you, technically, there are instances where we were oversold. But I have a lot of reason to to think that this is more of a head fake and that this will not push the Fed to move in any other direction than what they've told us they intend to do. Brian Kelly, were you doing any any buying this week with the masses? I was no, I was not doing <laughs> any buying at all. And I, I tend to agree with what Bono was just saying. I mean, we have one data point that maybe was a little better. If I want to kind of find the positive theme here, we have bottomed for the time being on some relatively bad news over the week. News didn't really get too much better, at least on the macro front today. Even though real spending was good by the consumer saying, hey, the consumer's still good, in some ways, paradoxically, that's negative because the Fed doesn't want that. The Fed wants demand destruction. They want the consumer not to spend. So to me, I just think, you know, bear market rally. Here you go. I can't say that we're in a brand new trend again. I, I get it because it almost would have been better if every retail came out and had similar quarters to Walmart and Target. And we did think that the consumer was really pulling back. That perversely probably would have been better news for the market because good news is bad. Good news is bad news. What the Fed is doing is working. Well, we yeah, and look, the Fed wants to work on the stock market and they want to work on the housing market and they've done a pretty good job. And 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 but but you're not going to derail a consumer. And we talked about this last night. Steve Leisman came down. We talked about uh, well, real wages relative to where inflation is. You know how much has been eroded in terms of spending power. We all agree that gas prices are going to be and, and have already been a, a a major erosion of that spending power. But but again, I get back to. Some of the some of the anecdotal that we've had and, and, and you know, I'm looking at restaurant sales uh, up 22 percent. If you look across uh, quick serve relative to the same place in 2019. So as we look again off of normalized comps and look at things in, in a real context, um, Ulta talked about where some of their their dynamics in terms of getting back to work and, and whether it's makeup or it's places that people are actually getting back at it. Those comps are actually quite I have, good. I have a question. Oh, oh, oh have, you're allowed, you don't have to raise your hand, Mel, but thank you. I for know I'm, it's, I'm used Very to polite. that being in school and enjoying school so much. Um, my question, though, is that it, the Fed wants them to slow down. Right. The Fed wants the Demand economy destruction. to slow. She's right. pointing at me, too. So, wow, really. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> but you're, you're allowed to do um, that, too. So why, is, why are these good things to me? I, mean, I understand that they are good things, but 
The Fed wants a slowdown in the economy. So how do you get that? You have to do something until it breaks. I don't want to say it breaks, but, but it slows but down. And we haven't seen evidence of that yet. We don't want it to break overnight. We know that the Fed has to go another 150 basis points. And we still don't really know because they don't know um, what, what the real neutral rate is. And we know that they probably have to do something beyond that. But, but for a Fed that has been uh, very concerned with equity markets over the years, overly concerned, mm-hmm. and the Fed put that's been alive and well, it, I, I don't think that they're going to be. Therefore, they have a job to do. We all want the Fed to actually do what they can to begin to take a bite out of inflation. I, I, the fact that the consumer isn't rolling over in a month is fine. By the way, retail investors, I was looking just also some data as it relates to the markets because everyone's thought, hey, it's been so negative. What happens to that passive money? We had almost 80 billion in in retail flows in the last three months, which were just below the flows of the the three-month previous period when markets didn't seem to be anywhere near as dire. In other words, the retail investor, the passive investor, that money has not necessarily been uh, running for the hills yet. Mm -hmm. That actually might be negative news, but but again... Yeah, but why isn't it enough to know that demand destruction, if they're trying to push towards a recession, why isn't that enough for all of us to know that the market is not going to greet that with open arms? Or do you think the market's looking through that? I don't. Well, the, I think the market thinks that the Fed's probably going to take the foot off the pedal. That's what this week felt to, like. Exactly. And, and, and the bond market told you that, uh, I think, especially if you look uh, at the long end. But the yeah. two year two years started to give some ground. In fact, the curve actually. But one last thing. But to do that uh, before QT even starts, that's a little presumptuous to, to start thinking to look through the Fed. You can't. I think no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, another name that had a strong week, Microsoft. The shares 8% gain this week, their best since November of 2020. And the chartmaster says there are more gains to come. So let's bring in Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what are you looking at? It was a big week for Microsoft and, of course, for the market. Uh, I've got one Microsoft chart, and it's a relative chart. Let's look at it. So a ratio chart is simply one thing divided by another, and this chart is Microsoft divided by the S&P. And what it means, essentially, if the line is going up, Microsoft is outperforming. If it's going down, it's underperforming. But here's the thing. As it stands, every single time Microsoft's relative line has dipped to the trend line, it is bounced. You see the arrows drawn? And so what we know is its relative performance peaked on December 1st. And six months later, to where we are now, Microsoft has underperformed the S&P by 1,000 basis points. That's a pretty wide spread for it. And the thinking is you buy for a bounce. Big name at a big juncture. But, of course, the news for the week is, is crypto. Everything was up, but the most speculative thing of all was not. So Ethereum and Bitcoin, that is a very straightforward comparative chart. You see two colors, orange and blue. That's six months. Look at the 12-month comparative chart. They are the same thing. Look at the five-year comparative chart. They are the same thing. And so key, we had biotech bouncing this week and ARC bouncing and China shares bouncing, but not Bitcoin and Ethereum. Let's look at the two charts on their own. The first is the absolute chart of Bitcoin. You see the authority of the 30,000 level and unable to bounce one week, two weeks, and now starting to undercut. A break is underway. You can go as low as the imagination will allow. And Ethereum, final chart, it's the same thing. Well-defined lows at a common level, hovering ominously, and now starting to break below those lows. Carter, thank you. We'll see you uh, in a few on Options Action. Uh, And don't miss the CNBC special Crypto Night in America. That's tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. BK, not long ago, Bitcoin is very correlated to the NASDAQ. And here we are. Great week for the NASDAQ. Terrible for Bitcoin. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest news of this week is that that correlation has broken. And most people in crypto thought, well, that correlation would break and Bitcoin would go up and the Nasdaq will go down. Didn't happen that way. Under the surface, I think what's happening is the Luna and the stable coin that blew up uh, has really hurt a lot of funds and a lot of investors out there. And I think there's some liquidations going on. Selling off Ethereum, selling off Bitcoin, although Bitcoin has outperformed a little bit. But until that is cleared, and I don't know where that'll be, maybe it's you know Ethereum at 1500 or, or Bitcoin at 21,000, as Carter says, wherever your imagination takes you. But it's very clear that the selling is not done and it has not been cleared out yet. Can I get a status check on your Bitcoin short? Uh, still short, still short uh, and short Ethereum as well. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I covered some in the mid, uh, I think around 26,000 on that dip, uh, put them out again at around 29.5 or so. Um, and so I'll trade around it. In the long run, I still think Bitcoin is probably one of the best investments out there. But in the short term, we've got to get through this kind of market turmoil. I'm going to pivot a little bit and address that Microsoft uh, S&P relative performance chart. Um, I, <clears throat> I think it's very telling. Uh, I think Microsoft, if you, if you look at the fundamentals, just stepping away from, from, from Carter's information just for a second, uh, $44 billion of debt versus $64 billion of free cash flow, $130 billion of cash. That's probably going to be the type of name that you see people fly to when we roll over, if we roll over. Let me let not pretend like I can predict the future. What I will say, though, is that I don't necessarily think it's bullish for the market. You will still see that our performance trend continue, but it is very possible that at least in the short to medium term that it is to the downside. Coming up, it's been a good week for U.S. stocks, but are there other regions with even more potential? The region that is outperforming the S&P 500 by 8% this month and travel and entertainment stocks bouncing as the holiday mad dash begins a look at whether they can hold on to gains. More Fast Money straight ahead. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Despite this week's gains, U.S. markets have been under pressure this year, but Latin America has outperformed by almost 8% this month alone. Can it continue? Let's get to Seema Modi for more on the action in emerging markets. Seema. Hey, Melissa, the MSCI Latin America ETF ETF is up nearly 10.5% this month compared to the S&P 500, which added less than a percent. The standout market is really Brazil, with the iShares ETF posting its best week in nine, 
remains one of the few markets trading higher on the year. BTG Pactual, a hedge fund which manages $3 billion in Latin American equities, remains bullish. Portfolio manager Will Lander says it's a great play on higher commodity prices. Inflation has peaked there, with interest rates climbing from 2 to 12.75%, and says the recent sell-off has brought valuations down in Brazil, now trading at eight times forward-looking earnings. Strategists, though surveyed by Reuters, are less positive, citing the upcoming presidential election that could result in near-term volatility. They see more upside in markets like Mexico. Continued outperformance in markets like Brazil also rests on whether oil prices continue to rise. That's according to a number of analysts. Brent crude gaining 6% this week, its best weekly performance since mid-April. Melissa? Seema, thank you. Seema Modi. Uh, we got to go to uh, the emerging markets expert in the house, Tim Seymour. Well, it, it's extraordinary. She's bringing up some great points. Ultimately, the dynamic in Latin America is also very different than the dynamic in Asia. So if you're investing in emerging markets and EEM, you're going to find that LATAM is probably less than 20 percent of that overall index, and you're not getting the exposure. In Brazil, you have Petrobras and Vale, which make up probably 30 percent of the index if you look at that EWZ. But then you really do have some consumer plays, and you have those that I think are exposed to trends that could be continuing. And, and by the way, remember, the dollar was at 20-year highs, and yet Brazil has still outperformed. That's very encouraging, a fiscal adjustment that Brazil had already made. And if you look at where uh, I I think actually the real, most of the the returns you've got in Brazil um, have actually been in the currency. It's up 25 percent in local currency terms, whereas the local market's up only about six. So uh, exciting times. I do think it's a decent time to be investing in Latin America. I actually really like Mexico here. Uh, yeah, I, I echo a lot of Tim's sentiments. I really think like that fiscal reversion, that, that currency has really reversed and outperformed to the upside this year. Uh, you know, the, the resource trade really is what it's going to be. That's the exposure that you're going to want. The only cautionary tale I would say is that if you start to see an erosion of global credit, it'll likely be emerging market that is the first shoe to drop there. Uh, that, that would only that would be like the only cautionary tale. But I still think the, the trend continues. I think the resource trade is still on. All right. Up next, before you hit the road for the long weekend, take a look at airline stocks. They are booming heading into the holiday. We'll trade those gains and more. And later on Options Action, is Netflix about to start streaming higher? A look at whether it's time to go long the stock, which is down 70 percent over the last six months. Fast Money be back right after this. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. 
Welcome back to Fast Money. Memorial Day weekend is here. Almost. Almost here. Not yet. <laughs> this is the unofficial start of summer and the travel stocks are taking off. Check out the moves in Frontier Airlines, Carnival, Airbnb, Live Nation, Hilton Worldwide. So should you pack these names into your portfolio? This is almost similar to the conversation that we had in the first block in that these names got beaten down when we all thought the consumer was dead because of Walmart and Target, Tim. Rates reopening in retail this week and the reopening, I think, was underlooked. And, and the dynamic, you know, we've spent so much time talking about China's lockdown that we've forgotten that most parts of this country are booming. And again, getting into the summer season, people are getting the roads. People are going to be barbecuing. They're going to be taking out the uh, the Budweiser's, the Heinz ketchup, all that stuff this weekend. You know what and, Tim's doing, huh? well, apparently. <laughs> um, so you have you have a dynamic. Look, I, airlines to me are the place though I'm most excited about because I've been hearing data um, and getting earnings from airline CEOs for the last two months. And meanwhile, airlines traded to, you know, if you look at Delta, you had a low in that mid-March along with markets, but for the most part, Delta has traded sideways in a wide band as airlines do, and I call them the greatest trading stocks in the market, and I think they are. Um, Delta breaking out, I think, just around here above 45. The fundamentals and the profitability for this company, they told you what they're seeing, and consumers aren't balking on pricing. I think you could buy every stock that you just listed on really? that screen. I think You're if Mr. you look at bookings. Recession. I am, You're but, the guy who but look at the stocks. Over and, and the Fed's but look at what the stocks have done. Break some. Something. Look at what the stocks have done. They're, they're, even though they're off the pandemic low, they're still low. They're still beaten up. Most of the other stocks are above where the February 2020 so level was. we're in sweet spot here where the consumer is still standing ahead of no, the recession. No, I think we're not having a recession. I think, so I think recession? you're in a sweet spot for technical bounces that will okay. continue so technical in all trade. of these travel-related stocks that are trading around the pandemic lows. I think you could still find some bargains in those names. doesn't mean that we're not going to recession. It means that people are looking for beta to play on a technical basis these bounces. Well, I, I just, you know, if, if you if you listen again to what we've heard out of Expedia and, and right. you know, Verbo and some of the dynamics where you're really hearing the consumer, the, the what are we calling this? The revenge vacation that's revenge going on? Spending, yeah. well, revenge, revenge spending, yeah. Revenge spending. But it, it, People haven't taken a vacation, spending. though. Think about that. Yeah. People haven't taken a vacation in years. So when they're tapped out on clothes. They're tapped out on sweaters, on ties. Just look at Tim. You're clearly they're not. Tapped, just there you go. <laughs> they're tapped out on, on, on all, all apparel, but they want experience. Experiential vacation stuff. You, you got to be ready to. Speaking of experiential, you got to be ready to experience <laughs> some like some nausea because I looked at Carnival Cruise Lines last week and had a day it was down twelve or thirteen percent. I mean, for me, it's Expedia. You know, it, it's it's two times price of sales. I get it. It's still expensive, but it doesn't have all the other exposures of of uh, the commodity com- complex that's kind of roaring right now, and it still gives you the exposure to ability to to get to travel. Um, you know, I hear the predictions of the consumer wanting to revenge travel, so booking lavish vacations, as BK is uh, inclined to do. <laughs> as, as he does. Um, and, and spending your wallet in that way. But these vacations do cost more. I mean, airfares are, are going up. Hotel stays are going up. Um, the cost to get there by car is going up because of gasoline. That tells me that they might not spend in other parts of the of the pocketbook on other things like clothing and, and, and goods, basically, Brian. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, so so this this is the risk is you kind of have a rotation of the consumer's pocketbook. And, you know, some of us still have to fly coach, unlike Grasso, who flies by himself, from what I understand. Um, but some of us still Just fly seven coach, other you know. People, BK. And Just here's seven the other thing, people. we're paying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, you know, with, with the airlines, here's the problem you have. They have pricing power today. But I think what you're getting at is what happens in a quarter or two when jet fuel prices go up, 
when they don't have enough pilots, when they're capacity constrained. So it's good for a trade, but it's not without risk. All right. Time for our final trade on the Friday Already? Memorial Day. The show oh, goes like this. All right. Brian Kelly, what do you say? Oh, for me, it's a Memorial Day special. CPB, Campbell Pork and Beans. <laughs> Tim. Where you always have some risk are emerging markets, but we're talking about Latin America. So let's talk about Mexico. EWW, the ETF for Mexico, something that I think you actually uh, have pretty good dynamics with. It's Semex, Walmart, uh, Walmex, and, and I think the consumer, but the oil economy of Mexico, something that's in your favor here. Bonowin. Pfizer, seven and a half times. It's one of the cheapest in that space. Steve, so uh, other than feeling bullish on all travel-related stocks, hotels, despite, airlines, cruise lines, despite, despite of an abyss that's going to happen in the marketplace, if that abyss happens, if the market sells off again, utilities are going to be a place where the uh, the investor runs to. XLU. Every single airline you buy. And you yes, look at the charts. <laughs> all right, that does it for us here on Fast Money. <laughs> Do Happy not go Memorial anywhere. Day. Very special pre-Memorial Day weekend options action is up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.